The gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 23 through 31, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1571. Now Jesus looked around, and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things, all things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up, and he said, We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This morning, the title is God is in charge, not you. God is in charge, not me. God is in charge, not you fill in the blank. Only God is in charge. In Ecclesiastes, we are told by the wisest man that ever lived some insight about the folly and vanity of wealth. He goes through earlier to say the more loot that you gather just means more people want the loot that you have. The more you produce just makes more people want what you produced. 
He says that the one who loves money is never satisfied with money, nor the one who loves wealth with big profits. It's smoke. It's, 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 it's the, a salary of smoke. What do you do with smoke? Right? It doesn't last. When I read this, I go, yeah, well, try me. Hard and honest work, he says, earns a good night's sleep. Whether supper is beans or steak. Then he goes to say, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. Now let me just, let's just pluck out the rich man, the wealthy, or anything that has to deal with stuff. And let's insert the man or the woman, the creature, without Christ. Here's a bit of bad luck he talks about. He says, I've seen it happen. A man hoards far more wealth than is good for him and then loses it all because of a bad business deal. Now, he's fathered a child, but he hasn't a cent to leave behind for him. And truly, he says, he arrived naked from the womb of his mother, and he'll leave in the same condition with nothing. You've heard me quip and other more notable characters say, you never see a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse, right? I mean, duh. A friend of ours, uh, my godmother's husband, loved to race boats up in Lake Tahoe. And every year we would go up there and he had this jet boat that was called Never Again 2. He also on there said, the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. This was a blueprinted Chevy 454, blueprinted and balanced jet boat fast up in that thin air up there. The thing was doing about 75 fast. It also said, he who dies with the most toys, and now as an older man, I know that he who dies with the most toys still's dead. And somebody's using that never again too in such a way that is going to probably make him mad. So the wisest man ever breaks all this down and it really comes down. It's not the rich man. It's not the, the Lord, the leader, this guy. Of, it's the man without Christ is empty. The man without Christ is not sleeping well with a full belly. But the man with Christ, the man clothed in Christ, the man who follows Christ, sleeps at the end of the day, at the end of the toil, having walked with Christ. That's the difference. And so then he comes down and he says, 
Here's, here's what the answer from last week. The rich man comes to Jesus and says, good teacher. Do you remember that? Good teacher could have been kind of a derogatory remark. Now, those that were followers would have done it very respectfully. Good teacher. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and maybe even this rich young man said, <laughs> good teacher. Disrespectfully. What must I do to inherit eh, First problem, everlasting life. What do you do to inherit anything? Right? It kinda, you kind of fall into it, don't you? They used to have a saying, they made money the old-fashioned way. They inherited it. Right? You don't get to choose who you are born into. Thank God we have been adopted into the into God through his son, through our baptism. Thank God that by what he did on that cross, we've been given the power <laughs> of all the things that come with being a child of God. Thank God we're not trying to fit the largest land animal in the Middle East at the time that the common man would know through the smallest opening of an instrument that man would know. Thank God that wasn't our job to do. But through God, all things are possible. I'm kind of jumping ahead. But here's what he said. Here's what he would have said to that young man had he asked Solomon. Solomon would have said, all right, here's what I think. He said, after looking at the ways things are on this earth, here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Are you listening? He says, take care of yourself. Have a good time. And make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. And that's about it. Now that's Solomon, okay? That's not Jesus. Solomon, you know, had some real character flaws, right? But he was wise. And at the end of it, I mean, he had it all. He said it's all vanity. Because in the end, if you don't have God... You don't have anything. And Jesus, you'll notice uh, in the gospel this morning, I went a little bit longer, and I also used part of a different translation, the English Standard Version. And this happened right after the young, wealthy man departed. Because Jesus looked at him, and in Mark, he's, it says that Jesus loved the man he looked at this young man with love. Agape, perfect love, God, love. And he, and he said to him, one thing you lack. One thing. Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. And then come, follow me. And the man got up and walked away sad. Jesus loved him, but he didn't chase after him. What a difference. And even Peter gets it. Well, you said, hey, follow me. And we got rid of our nets and said, see you, Dad. And we went and followed you. That was the second part of that. Got to love it. You know, here you got Peter going. It's like, who's the greatest? Right? One more time. I'm the greatest. We're here. We're part of the 12. 
still don't get it. And they, they look at Jesus and they, say, they ask him, you know, then who can be saved? And I need to also just to, to pound it in one more time. This isn't about wealthy, being, wealthy people not being able to go and receive Christ or heaven or the inheritance that is promised. This is about the man who does not have any other qualification to enter heaven than wealth. The young man had no qualifications to get into heaven other than his wealth. If you remember, he says, well, I have followed some of those commandments, the ones about doing to other people, right, having committed adultery. And he probably was a stellar citizen. If he's wealthy and he's young, people knew him. He probably walked the walk pretty well. But Christian, here at Reformation Lutheran Church, can I be good enough on my own and maybe tip God every Sunday and still get into heaven without Christ? Yes or no? No. That's the thing that Jesus is anything that gets between you and Jesus is going to disqualify you. And so people look at this, what he says about the camel and the eye of the needle. And, and um, there's a, a Greek word called adiaphora, adiaphora. And it's, I can describe it, much ado about nothing, uh, majoring in minor things, spinning your wheels, not focusing on what is important, adiaphora. So some people say, well, you know, Jesus taught in parables and taught in similes. And, 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 and so instead of actually being a literal camel and a literal needle, there was a gate somewhere in this impenetrable city that was built to keep hordes and masses and people that would wish destruction upon him. But there was a gate that you could go through after curfew. But you had to have your camel get on his knees and, you know, wiggle through it. Or maybe you could get through it, but you had to take your backpack. So you came alone. And so there is the, there's the picture that Jesus is trying to, trying to paint. That it's, you're going to have to shuck those things that hold you back, you know, to get in. And, and here's the gate called the eye of the needle in our impenetrable city. There's people that say that. They go, well, there's writings from some century. Doesn't mean it's right. I've not found the part in the Bible that says, yeah, it's not a big deal if you got here after late, after the gate, after night, and, you know, the gates are closed, and you could just go in the side door, you know, park your camel and get it in the morning, you know, um, we, we, we didn't operate that way, and so I would defer that to architects and archaeologists and maybe common sense. 
Somebody else says, oh, well, there's a group of rocks that's called the eye of the needle somewhere, someplace. And instead of just saying, come on, guys, the Bible's not hard. Jesus isn't trying to, like, freak you out and confuse you. He wants it to keep it simple. In fact, that's why he said, two commandments I give you, right? Love God and love your neighbor. So couldn't it be, theologian, and couldn't it be a person who subscribes to Adiaphora? Well, I like to look at all of the possibilities. Couldn't it just be this, that Jesus took the largest land animal known by common man, common folk, people like us, and the smallest opening that common folk, people like us, would understand and say, you can't get a Cadillac Escalade through the eye of a sewing needle or into a modern one-car garage, right? That's what he did. He said, this is, and, and, and so apart from God, guys, you can't make it. And then he goes on further to say, but all things are possible with God. Oh, good. And quite frankly, could God make a, make a camel with two or one humps, however they come? You know, I don't know why. They, that must have been a committee that says they need two. And the other one said one. But I, I don't know. But can, can God put a camel through a needle? Of course he can. I don't know why he would do it, but, I mean, if he wanted to, he's God. He can do that. It's not on us. All things are possible for God. And we are living, breathing examples of that once we were sinners, once we were born into this world, naked from our mother's womb, sinners. Some people might still argue that. Babies don't sin. And have you had a baby? They sin. Oh. Children sin. Oh. That sounds like a grandma or a grandpa. Some. Not mine. Oh. Okay, let me ask you this. I heard this this morning. Why is it that we have to teach kids to do the right thing? But I never had to teach my children or no one had to teach me how to do the wrong thing. Can I get an amen here? So we're not naturally good. We are naturally sinners. And oh, thank God what beautiful words those are that Jesus said. All things are possible with God. Even to getting a wretched sinner like me and like you into heaven. By what he did. Your inheritance Found right here. Found right here at this altar. Found right here in this sacrament. Found right here in this holy word. Given to you. And Paul finally sums it up with this. Jesus, the great high priest. Since we have a great high priest, he says who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast 
our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's been there, done that. He walked. He knows what it's like to have a chest cold. He knows what it's like to have a beloved friend pass away. Lazarus. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by the ones that he thought loved him. Well, he knew they were going to betray him, and yet he loved him even all the way through up until the betrayal. But we have a high priest who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. And finally, the invitation is for you and for me and for all. As Paul says, what we have is today. And if the gospel hits you right now, and if you're listening to it right now, or if you're listening to this, I'll speak to those that are listening online. Now, the time is now. And he invites you, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The time of need is now. And you all are sitting in a good spot, not just because this is Reformation Lutheran Church and we have beautiful pews, but right now as you sit, you have gone through confession And you have been absolved of your sins. You are right with God right now because of what he did on the cross for you. You have confessed him with your lips. I heard you. He's already put you through that eye of the needle. He's already picked you, adopted you. You are in. So come to the table with confidence today and every day knowing that your sins are not counted against you, that you're in. You don't need a secret side door because you know the one who opened the gate and stands there welcoming you in, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Christ and him crucified for you and for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.